Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode, and this is Recode Replay. Here's an interview from the stage of the 2017 Code Media Conference in Dana Point, California. You can find full coverage of all the speakers of the conference on recode.net. So Google, you know, a lot of people, they, they're mentioning a lot of different companies in, but Google has, um, and Apple have been sort of reticent to enter the video space. I know you own YouTube, I get that, but I'm talking about the professional premium video space. So let's first talk about where you think Google is in the ecosystem right now. They aren't as aggressive as Amazon or Netflix or others. Um, can you just talk a little about where you all see your role in the video space at this moment? So, so as you said, uh, we uh, own YouTube, we run YouTube, uh, yeah. we love YouTube. Uh, it's yeah. uh, growing uh, incredibly. Um, it's uh, one of the uh, most amazing video properties uh, out yes. there. Uh, we're very happy with it. Um, we're basically trying to connect uh, creators uh, with their fans at a probably uh, incredible scale. Mm-hmm. Um, we have over a billion uh, users. We have hundreds of millions uh, of hours being watched uh, every day. Uh, so that's uh, that's how we're thinking about our video strategy, really. So when you think about that, but YouTube has been a sort of UCG thing. It's been, it started that way when it was first begun. How do you, how do you look at, you, you've added different things onto YouTube, but how, how would you look at YouTube? Do you look at it as a premium content delivery service? Or do you imagine it becoming that? Well, um, I said we want to connect uh, our creators uh, and right. creators of all types, uh, right. emerging creators, mature creators, to fans. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different ways how you can do this. There's obviously the UGC component. We have a lot of uh, television uh, creators or content from television networks already sure. uh, on YouTube. That number has gone, I think, 3x or something in the last uh, year alone. Uh, and uh, you can, uh, you also are probably aware of our YouTube Red activities where we're right. trying to uh, bring a slightly different uh, types of content on there, mm-hmm. uh, not in the traditional sense always with uh, YouTube originals. Um, so that's, that's how we're thinking about it in the broader sense. So when you think about premium content, now Amazon is in the creation space, and I know you're doing YouTube originals. Do you imagine spending the amount of money that Netflix and Amazon are... Years ago, I had Susan Majewski at a, at a dinner with Richard Plepler, and he was urging her into the, ma- the content space the way Netscape mm-hmm. was, and she was not saying, oh, I don't know, maybe someday we do more of this. We have Same thing you were saying. We've got millions of users. We've got all these creators. But do you imagine Google being a major creator like that in the next five years? I I think she gave a great... Apple Apple just debuted two shows. Obviously, Amazon has tons of them, Transparent being the most famous. Netflix, obviously. I think we want to find our own path. I think the answer she gave there is still correct. Um, The reason why we're using YouTube Originals and we're trying to work from the existing base and the existing type of content, which is quite a bit different than what you can see in other channels, mm-hmm. I think is, is the number one reason um, why we want to go down a path that's a little bit different. So talk about that path. What, what is it different about it? Well, the path is that we basically focus mostly on our YouTube creators and what the YouTube community loves so much, and we're trying to give them uh, the ability to basically scale to a much higher production value and to much more different, interesting type of content mm-hmm. um, versus just going down the route of traditional um, syndication and other paths. 
meaning not making your own big shows, that kind of thing? I don't want to rule out anything. I'm just mm -hmm. saying the focus we have at the moment really sits on the YouTube creator base around originals and, and mm -hmm. that type of approach. Yeah. So you don't, you're not going to, you guys have tried to go into Hollywood and, and spur some of this, the, the way you did with your studios and things like that, but nothing bigger than that. We're talking to everybody. And again, I don't want to rule out any of the options, right. but at the moment we're very happy with what we have and we're taking it step by Why step. Why not really. do an Amazon-like move then? Look, you have to be true to your origins, and uh, we are sitting on something really, really fascinating with uh, our existing creator base, and there's something new emerging. We always think about future content types as a, a traditional path from the old world, but that doesn't have to be the case, and we think we can develop something that is quite different and quite new, and that's the path we really want to pursue over time. I want specific. What do you mean? Like, how, Give me examples of of how you look different than them. Well, if you take a look at what we're doing at the moment with Original, for example, some of the shows, we take an existing creator who has right. been very, very successful, has a very big fan base mm -hmm. uh, on YouTube already, and we're trying to supply them with the funds and the ability to scale to a completely different production value. We've done mm -hmm. this with a few different creators. That's what we call the Originals, and that's the path we're very, very much focused on very at the moment. Um, and then we can see whether there's something else emerging, but we obviously bring more professional production uh, into this whole game, but mm -hmm. roughly we want to stick close to do something that the YouTube fan base and our existing audience actually values and appreciates. Right. Um, we are also very cognizant of the fact that um, a very, very significant percentage of our watch time already on YouTube, over 50% is on mobile. Mm -hmm. um, nobody has really a lot of experience with creating new, longer-term, higher production value formats mm -hmm. in a mobile-only world. But YouTube on mobile is going through the roof. Right. Um, we have on YouTube already, uh, in, the, in the traditional uh, YouTube world, we have now... Uh, during prime time for 18 to four, more 18 to 49 year olds mm -hmm. watching YouTube than all top television primetime shows combined on mm -hmm. mobile. I mean, mm -hmm. think about the scale of, of what we have there. And that's something we want to actually better understand. And that's what we also want to develop for. So explain the breadth of your job. What is business? You, you're, I call you not Nikesh, um, which everyone remembers Nikesh Aurora, who is sort of a hard charging Google executive. We all know and sort of love. Um, how, uh, I do, but most people don't. Um, so talk about how you're, the breadth of your job is what? You have, you're in charge of? So I, 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 you can probably describe it as four big pillars. Uh, one pillar is um, the revenue side, mostly the advertising business, of course. Right. Uh, another big pillar is all of our service uh, operations. We have thousands of people across the world who are delivering service for all of our advertisers, who are delivering service for our consumers. If you have a problem uh, with uh, the Play Store, uh, you mm -hmm. bought something that you didn't want to buy uh, on your Android phone. I hope you have an Android phone. I do not, but keep uh, I would highly recommend you get an Android no, phone. Thank it's, you. It's, no. it's a great phone. I, I uh, so like if you have a problem no. with your... No, if you, if I don't you, like you, Android. I'm sorry. I'll give you the pitch afterwards. All right, okay, use an Android phone. Sure, good. the Pixel is lovely, but no thank it's you. A, it's, a, it's a great phone. I understand that, Mr. Salesman. You start off with sales, right? Okay. Um, so, 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 the, the services, so the services piece um, is, a, is a big one, or if we do an ad server integration with the New York Times, so that's a big pillar of it. The second pillar, the third pillar is I'm involved in a lot of our big deal making um, with different players, um, OEMs on the hardware side, uh, telcos, and so on. Uh, and I work a lot on uh, country strategies because a lot of the people um, who uh, live in uh, countries, markets around the world, the country managers are in my organization. So mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time on what are our next steps in certain markets, like in India, like in China, like in other So markets. most of the revenue and employees fall under you. Is that how many? A, a, a decent percentage, yeah. 80%? A decent percentage. A, decent, a, a, a nice percentage. A nice percentage. A, a, a good percentage. Of the people. So let's start a little bit. We'll get back to video in a second and premium video. But uh, most of your money is still made from advertising. 
Same, yes. same business. Yes. So now you and Google suck up, what, 80 cents or 85 cents on the dollar of all advertising at this point, online advertising. Is that about right? That seems a little bit. That seems a little more. It's a lot. That seems a little high. It's it's most of it. You two, between you two, are doing that. Can you talk a little bit about how, what impact that has, and if you're going to help all these other people who don't, who have the smaller pieces of the pie, and how you think of that business going forward? So the way the way I think about our business goes like this: If you look, if you really go deep into how our business actually operates, um, most of the contracts we have in place with uh, partners, with anybody out there, are based on some form of CPC, cost per click, cost per view, ROI, some sort of revenue share model. So it is impossible for us to grow our our business um, unless we really partner with a lot of other players out there. Uh, We cannot grow our business unless advertisers successfully transition from the traditional world into the digital world and see value mm-hmm. uh, in, sp- in, in, in what they spend with us. We cannot grow our YouTube business unless our creators are more successful uh, and are actually making more money mm-hmm. uh, over time. We cannot grow our publisher business actually uh, because we're supplying a lot of the advertising technology uh, to publishers unless publishers are actually really, really successful in their own business. Mm-hmm. We cannot grow our play business, our play store business unless app developers are successful mm-hmm. because all of our models are somehow somewhere built around a little revenue share we take here or there. Um, so it's actually hugely important for us that we grow all of the ecosystems around us and take real an approach to extreme partnering with all of those different players and very much being open with them and helping them succeed in their own environments. That's how I, I think about our business. Actually. How you look at it. But, and yet Google sucks up all the money. Uh, Google and Facebook between you. No, there are a lot of players who are extremely successful uh, outside of us. Um, where, where do you imagine that business going at this point? And I'd love to get your thoughts on how you look at Facebook as a competitor and what the differentiators are between you. Yeah. So, so first, where do I see the business going? I, I think we're actually living in extremely interesting, exciting times in technology. I've been in technology nearly my whole life, and I yeah. have to say what I've seen and witnessed in the last I year just, and I a half. I just found out that Phil was an I, intern at AOL, which probably... Yeah, I worked at AOL. I was an intern at AOL, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So, so um, and it's an incredibly exciting time to be, uh, to be in technology. And um, there are a few trends, a few mega trends that are just revolutionizing the way we will interact with digital devices at the moment. And the two big ones uh, are probably uh, the trend uh, around machine learning uh, Mm -hmm. and the fact that we have now very large anonymous data sets that we can learn on, uh, plus that we have a lot of new surfaces that consumers actually use to interact with the digital world, whether it's not, of course, not only your Mm -hmm. PC, but also your mobile device, and you have your car, and you have your home device, and... Mm -hmm. And you have your wearable and a lot of other surfaces you can you can uh, you can picture over time. So if you bring this all together and you combine this, you could literally argue that we're at the call it the the dawn of the the age of uh, assistance or something comparable, mm-hmm. smart assistance that literally will help us and guide us through a lot of the things that are today probably still slightly cumbersome. Mm-hmm. So this uh, assistant path, uh, obviously driven by the trends that I just described, is a very, 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 very big revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot of interesting implications, by the way, for businesses, for advertisers, for a lot of other players. Mm-hmm. And the other big one I would mention um, is the I wouldn't call it the video revolution, but probably more the audiovisual revolution. I mean, it has started with, we started with text and then pictures and then video and, and YouTube. And now we have 360 degree videos and then we're obviously heading into a world of VR content uh, and then AR over time. Uh, th- that's, that's unstoppable. This will change the way our world looks like and how our, how our kids will grow up uh, fundamentally. So talk a little bit about assistance. You all have uh, your device, Amazon started with the, the, the Echo and, and the Echo Dot and things like that. Talk about the 
the assistant world. Now, Google was later, you had, you had different things for years going in this area, in the assistant area. Um, where, what do you mean when you say that it's going to, ch how is it going to change Google's business? So, so don't, don't think about the assistance as, as, as just one simple form factor. One simple device. Right? Okay. You have to think about the assistant as a, a very, very smart assistant that lives with you across multiple different surfaces. Right. Um, so the home form factor is just one of many, many potential form factors you can, you can, you can picture. Okay. Uh, and it's all obviously powered by uh, machine learning, which we already use in a lot of our products, uh, mm -hmm. everywhere from uh, our Translate products to which Google. Google has photos. a huge advantage here. Well, Google. I mean, look, look, I mean, this is, this is, if you ask me, if you ask anybody at Google, what's the core of the core of the core of our business and mm -hmm. what we tend to be sort of okay at, mm -hmm. like, then it's actually helping people uh, with useful information. And mm -hmm. when you look at uh, core Google search, we have on mobile roughly 20% of our queries already um, are voice-based. Mm -hmm. uh, people are asking us questions. When you now interact with photos, if I want to see a picture of my kids uh, or my daughter on a horse, I basically say, show me a picture of my daughter on a horse, and it actually shows me, uh, shows me the picture. Um, if you want to interact with your television set, at home, I start talking to my television set. Of course, I talk to my Google Home uh, device as well. Mm -hmm. So we have all those different, uh, in my car, I'm interacting mostly, of course, via voice. I'm starting to ask questions. I have mm -hmm. conversations. It's still far from being perfect. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to say that, uh, but it's definitely a world emerging where this is this an assistant lives across multiple different surfaces. Well, and where do you think, right now, it's just in the, in the devices it's getting most attention in these small devices in the home. Correct? Well, at the moment, it's at getting a, a lot of attention because of that small device, because it looks a little bit like an assistant. But if you look at the usage and assistive type of usage, you could argue that the biggest, most powerful assistant out there ever invented is your traditional Google search box that you can right. talk to and interact with and starts to understand conversations and can give you this incredible amount of information and useful information back. The text box, the original text yeah, box. Call it the text box, but it's way more than that, obviously, mm -hmm. right? Because you can like click a button, you can talk to it uh, on the Pixel devices, which I still highly recommend you should be using. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you, have, <laughs> you have. I you married have, Apple a long time ago. I've cheated you, on it a number of times, but I still love it. You have, we'll try again to convert right, you. We're, okay. we're not going to, we're not going to give up. Um, but you, you can trigger the assistant. You can talk to it already. So it's, hmm. it, it's actually, it's living. Um, you, you could argue that Google, uh, that even YouTube, um, one, one of the fastest growing um, search categories on YouTube is actually how to do something. And this is where the assistant world and the audiovisual world I just described are coming together um, because I want to get audiovisual information back for how to do something, how to fix something, how to learn something. Now, in the first era of this, Google became the gateway to everybody, for everybody. And people justifiably terrified of Google in many ways, of how much power they had over this. There's lots more players in this now. There's Amazon over here with the Echo. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Facebook. There's a lot of competition, yeah. There's a lot of competition. Yeah. One of the issues around why I don't have a home in my home is because I don't want Google around anymore. Like, I don't, I don't trust Google to listen in. I don't mind Jeff Bezos listening in. I don't know why. They have no, there's no particular, I know, you, you look like a nice guy, but I don't want you listening into my home. Um, how invasive do you imagine you all having to become in the home and what do you have to do as a company to get people comfortable 
with all the listening. Yeah, so first maybe I should say I have a Google Home uh, in, my, in my home and I actually trust it. And yeah, well, you I, would. Well, you I, are I work Google. at Google and I know what's going on and that's why okay. I trust it because yeah. I know how we deal with privacy and I know how we deal right. with uh, safety right. and, and, and all those issues around it. Uh, the device is, by the way, not constantly listening. It's waiting for the, the hot, works, uh, hot right. words uh, to activate it. Yeah. Uh, but over time, um, the only path to solve this is obviously, um, we, we always talk in the context of privacy uh, around transparency and control. Mm -hmm. You have to have full transparency, what type of information we actually store about you, what we know about you. And by the way, you have that. Uh, for all Google products, you can go into a little tab that we've just redesigned half a year ago uh, called My Account, mm -hmm. and you can see everything that we know about you. So you need to have full transparency about it. And then you need to have control because you need to be able to say, I don't like it, I don't want to delete it. The mm -hmm. value I get from my consumer product is not big enough relative to the information I have to leave. Um, so I actually like to turn it off. Um, that's the control piece. So as long um, as we can provide full transparency and full control, I think we're on a, uh, on a good path. And obviously, this has to be all in a very safe uh, uh, environment. So I'm going to shift a little bit to uh, VR and AR. You talked about that. You guys, uh, you know, Facebook bought Oculus. Uh, different companies are doing different. Sony's got theirs. Um, how, where do you look at Google playing this? You've had cardboard, but that's Sort of a so yeah, it's, it's it's actually a very good question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so so the way we think about this, you have an you have an investment in Magic Leap. Yes, that's correct. correct as yeah, well. Yeah. Yes, um, we we think about it. We really want to VR and then over time AR um, will deliver the most immersive experience you can even imagine, and it's going to be revolutionary for so many people. I mean, think, and, and so you, know, you all tell all, us. I mean, think, yeah. think, no, but it is going to happen. Think about old people. Think about sick people. Think about people who can't travel. Think about kids, education. If you've ever seen the cardboards, we have a special program only yeah. for education. For kids, you can, you can talk about um, the Great Wall of China or you can like, mm -hmm. literally take the kids there and it's a completely different experience. So it is magical and it is, it is mind-blowing. I, I, I really uh, believe this. What we are trying to do is we're trying to democratize the access uh, to those technologies. And what we really mean by this is we want to make sure that the devices, the availability, are low-cost, accessible to everybody and that's why we started with the most extreme end of low-cost, which was <laughs> the, the cardboard uh, viewer, right? Basically the cost of a, a bit of plastic, a couple of dollars. Um, and uh, that's why we uh, started to include, uh, include the relevant uh, software daydream into our Android devices. And that's the path that we're trying to do. We don't want this to be some niche, uh, elite, very super high-end experience. We really want to make sure, similar to what we've done with Android, um, that everybody in the world, ideally over time, can have access to those amazing experiences. Mm -hmm. and, and, it, and right now, you are not are, are working on a device? Apple might be working on one. How do you look to enter this space? I understand cardboard, but it's still not robust enough. So we work, we work with our ecosystem and with partners usually. That's the path that we've taken with Android. Mm -hmm. As you know, um, with the Android ecosystem, we're working with a whole lot of different OEMs mm -hmm. uh, out there to develop different types of phone. Once in a while, we used to create uh, what we call reference devices to basically show what the interaction yeah. of software and hardware can do together. Um, my gut feeling would be that's an approach that we will take in the, in the view. So will Google well. make a more advanced VR device? I'd say we will think about smart ways of showing the potential of the technology when you bring things together, whether when we make, make it ourselves, whether somebody else right. makes it, whether there's, there, there are all different kind of paths. Um, I think with Android, we've shown a little bit how we, how we think about Would the Would you do it in system. the style of Oculus, what Facebook is doing? We don't, we don't really look at 
competitors in that sense. Like we're really trying to make something that everybody can use. That's an amazing experience. We're trying mm -hmm. to, to create it low cost. We try to work with partners as much as we can. We're all that, that's what I said a little bit before. We're all about mm -hmm. partnering and working with partners and making other ecosystems successful. Mm -hmm. I, I, that feels more like us, frankly. Than having a device or a system that you would own, for example. I, I think the focus will be much more like a partnering Android type of approach than focusing a lot on just so, our own stuff. So speaking of Facebook, which I think most people consider your clear largest rival in the digital space. I don't know if you do. Do you think that? They were a formidable company and, uh, and a, yes, definitely a competitor. Right. So They're also a partner in many cases. Let's talk about fake news. They've had more trouble than Google in this area. It seems to have bypassed Google a little bit compared to the attacks that Facebook have gotten on the fake news issue. How do you guys look at this? And I think the reason is because Facebook has an inherent contract with its customers to let them post whatever they want on the platform. Mm -hmm. You can share mm -hmm. and post whatever you want. Google, you don't really have an agreement with Google about anything. And you, your, your little people could be in the background doing whatever the hell you're doing. None of us would know. Like, you wouldn't. Like, you could change 90 things back there and we'd be like, have no idea what's in that black box. But talk a little bit about that, the fake news issue, because a lot of this information Again, most of it's being delivered by Facebook, or people perceive that it's being delivered by Facebook, but Google's the other large distributor of information and content. Yeah, so, so we're, we're in, indeed slightly less, less exposed uh, to mm -hmm. that problem. Um, the surface area that we have is obviously Google News, but that's a whitelisted, uh, pretty, right. pretty, uh, pretty clean. So you can just cut people uh, pretty, out. Pretty, pretty clean news source. Um, we had some issues, uh, to be very transparent, um, with uh, some of our AdSense programs, um, mm -hmm. where we started to identify that on some fake news sites, they were actually using our AdSense programs. We figured that, uh, this out a few months ago, and we instantly took action, and um, they actually violated uh, our policies and we started to remove like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of websites. That's what I'm saying, you just get rid of them. Uh, you have no idea and, who you and, executed and stopped, last and, week. And just and stopped doing it. Uh, but we have to take the fake news problem very, very seriously. We have to think about what we can do there. Um, we have very clear policies in place. We've adjusted some of our policies. We're moving really, really fast with what we can control. Um, and it's something we need to really discuss. Fake news means a lot of different things to different people. Uh, and it's often very, very hard to draw the line, obviously, between fake news and bad journalism and between fake news and then obviously censorship, you're fully aware uh, yeah. of that debate. Um, so we're thinking about it. We're thinking very hard how you can help, for example, with machine learning capabilities um, that, that we have quite a bit. Um, that's, that's roughly the key areas. And um, we have adjusted our Google News product, for example, with fact check labels and other things uh, in this area. Uh, again, it hasn't touched us so much simply because of the surface areas that, mm -hmm. that, that we have. Uh, but it's a problem we take super seriously and, and um, we would love to help anybody. Uh, and if you were world. Facebook, what would you do if you were them? Given I don't. I don't. I don't think I should be giving advice to Facebook. I think. Right. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I think they're very capable of figuring it out themselves. They act like they're not, but um, <laughs> it's it, it's so funny when I spend all day with tech people telling me how smart they are, and then when you get to fake news, they're like, it's an impossible situation. And you're sort of like, wow, I thought you could go to the moon. And it is a difficult problem, but no, I trust stop, them that they will solve it. Stop, stop, stop. You can fix it. You can fix it. Um, I understand it is. Um, so where do you imagine, when you're thinking about all these, uh, the products that you're making, you know, Google has been, search has been your search pace for everything else. Every, pretty much all that crazy oh, we, we stuff. Have, that's we have a whole lot of successful yes, products you do. by now. We have Search and we have YouTube and we have mm -hmm. a double-click platform and we have a successful play business and we have an enterprise right. business. So we're not, but no. what we're wondering where, I was going to get to enterprise last and then we'll get some questions from the audience because where do you imagine, I mean, there are, Search still is the, mm, the center, advertising is the center of your business. Yes. 
where it seems as if Sundar and the rest of you are really, fo and Diane or Sir Diane Green are for focusing on this enterprise area. And this is not a media thing, but it will be important going forward about how we store and distribute information and everything else. How do you look at where your key businesses going forward are? So, what do you think there, about? So, so look, I love I love the search business. I love the YouTube business. I love, I love our platform business. Mm -hmm. um, I also see an incredible potential uh, in the enterprise business, no doubt about it. Uh, I think the search business has still an incredible, uh, uh, exciting path forward. Um, because if you think about search as being basically the nucleus of the future of assistance and potentially one of the most powerful assistants already, given where technology is today, mm -hmm. and then you play this forward and you think about the increase in surface areas, the increase in the number of interactions with assistant type of devices, mm -hmm. uh, you can picture that there is a very, very interesting future ahead of us just, uh, just in that part of the business. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, because we're so good at machine learning, uh, or let, let's, that sounds maybe, maybe uh, a bit arrogant, but, but we've invested so much in certain, and worked really hard um, to get better at it. I understood, in, in, someone told me that Google has 80% of all the top AI engineers in the world. I'm not, I'm not sure if that status correct, actually, but we have a... You've got some pretty... We have, we have some pretty amazing people, yeah. and we've invested hard, and we really believe in this. Um, so so one you of... You know Elon Musk was sort of saying Google and Facebook are the most dangerous two companies in ours because they have more engineers in this area. Yeah, I'm aware of those uh, those those uh, comments. comments yeah. I, I, I disagree with that. Uh, okay. I think there's an amazing future and we can potentially solve one of humans, human, mankind's uh, biggest problems with machine learning if we're mm -hmm. smart about it. We have to be careful with it and, and we obviously we're putting ethics councils in place and all those things that so we shouldn't ignore potential risks. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the opportunities far outweigh the risks. Uh, mm -hmm. That's my, my personal view. But because we have invested so much and we have those capabilities, we're thinking obviously um, also about it from an enterprise perspective and this is what is, uh, mm -hmm. uh, what Diane is, uh, is doing is basically taking some of our machine learning capabilities to companies and say, look, we have developed all those uh, algorithms and all those approaches because we need it for our core business. We need it for search. Right. We need it for ranking. We need it for spam mm -hmm. filtering. We need it for, uh, for photos. Uh, we need it for uh, um, video identification. So if we, need, if we need all of this anyway, why can't we just offer it to you as a service to businesses so you can get better at what you're doing without having to hire all the machine learning experts that mm -hmm. we have? And that's roughly the approach. And I think it's actually going to, to be very successful. And lastly, you all are working on a cable service. Can you talk about that? A, a cable offering on YouTube? A cable kind of offering where you... Cable kind of? What, what exactly how, do you mean with that? Working with... I think you're doing a service. Is that correct? I, I, maybe I'm incorrect about this. But how do you work with Hollywood, the professional content makers of Hollywood? How do you look at that relationship? So, so we work with the professional content uh, yeah. makers when it comes to what we discussed before right. uh, on YouTube Red and trying to find a way to basically leverage our existing creator base and potentially bring them together with the professional content creators in Hollywood and create something new and exciting there. Mm -hmm. um, we also work a lot with... I'm talking about a service that would help deliver content. Well, we have the service that is called YouTube, and yeah. we have YouTube Red, and that's our strategy so far. I, I can't talk about any other future services. Well, I'd like to know if there is another one in the world. No, I can't, I, I can't comment on, on future services. We, we unfortunately don't do this. Right. Um, we obviously that talk, is unfortunate. Yeah, that, yeah. that is unfortunate. Yeah. I, I see that. <laughs> and, and I understand that from your perspective. What would it be like, say, you were doing one? <laughs> well, what, what would you like to have as a consumer? Well, like what they were just showing, like it's pain in the ass. You're all a pain in the ass. I hate you all. You know, like Amazon and the Roku and you know what I mean? Like it's sort of, it's literally like get, having nine stores to go to like. So you would like to have something that takes that feeling of pain yes, away. Yes, yes. 
Yes, yes. It's a first world problem. I get it. But it, okay. it's still, it's an interesting thing. So That's that's great consumer feedback. I'm happy to take it to Susan. <laughs> I'm happy to take is it. Is that to, needed yeah. in this world? And could Google Well, if, if you need it. Uh, it, it, it I don't think Google sits around and thinking what Kara Swisher needs. I don't feel like that happens ever once. Maybe once many, many, many years ago when you were in the in Susan Wojcicki's garage, but not now. Um, but do you imagine doing a service like that? I'm, I, it's not my role to imagine things and imagine we have you amazing product out. managers. Uh, my role is to make sure if we do something, uh, we make money and it works efficiently. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I'm usually focused on. And again, I would cannot comment on any future product. Right. And, and, and can you explain Alphabet to me? No, let's not get that. Okay. Um, <laughs> questions from the audience. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, Asif Khan with Shack News. I had a question just about how you look at profitability at the various projects at Google's. Clearly... 75% or whatever of your revenue is coming from search and display ads. Yeah. Uh, but you have Home, you have uh, Pixel, you have all these other things and 90 other things that you guys have shut down that I loved in the past. What is the metric that you look at uh, to determine are these products a success? Are you looking at them as a satellite to the Google search? Like you said, that text box. Is it all about just getting as many people there? Or do you look at each individual project as a... Like, are you looking at P&L of Google Home right now? How do you view that in the grander scheme of what Google is? You do realize these are the people who spend $1 billion on like a hovercraft, right? But that's on Google Ventures. Right. They split well, that up. No, that's I, I can't explain yeah. Alphabet to you right now if you right. want. So there is not a single metric, uh, not one single metric. We look at a whole different set of metrics. And we have a very, very deep understanding of the profitability of all of our different business units. Um, and we obviously also factor in some of the strategic components that you just described. So we actually look at it very, very holistically. So we obviously understand whether a, a single uh, path or a single um, uh, unit actually uh, in itself is profitable. We understand how it ties together with the rest of the ecosystem. We understand strategic advantages uh, or disadvantages um, that it might bring us. So we have a pretty holistic approach actually to this. I don't think you can say it's only one way or another way of looking at it. Has Ruth brought more financial discipline? to Google, would so, you say? So, so Ruth is fantastic, and yeah. she has definitely brought a lot of discipline uh, to Google, and right. she's just doing an amazing job, frankly. So she went no time machine this year, next year, perhaps, or something like that. She's, I, oh, I'm, you know I, they're building a time machine. I am just a huge fan. I think she's doing a great job. Hi, Jason Del Rey from Recode. Uh, two quick questions. I'll ask them one at a time. First one is, uh, each year Amazon uh, eats up a greater percentage of uh, where people start their product searches. How are you combating that? That's a great question. So, so it's, it's something, um, first of all, I'm not sure your, your uh, numbers are actually accurate if you really uh, take a full approach to measuring um, commercial intent. Uh, but it's definitely what something we have. That, what does that mean? What's a full approach to well, measuring commercial attend is a very, very complex uh, thing, and I'm not sure what you're basing your assumptions on, uh, so I cannot confirm that this is actually happening. Okay. Uh, and But the reality is... Come on. But the reality is... I search we, on Amazon for products now, hmm? not Google. Like, you do. People are. But you're also searching a lot more across a lot of no. devices no. and potentially no, go across ahead. Google. Well, Maybe. <laughs> no. So I have no, I'm using Amazon for search more than I used to. So, so here's my second Just question. Just So I have to now convince you to use a Pixel, and I also <laughs> have to convince you to start searching more on Google. I use Google plenty. So don't worry okay. about it. Don't worry about <laughs> so, it. I'm, I'm still waiting. So, so but, go, but, but going back, it's obviously an area we're closely uh, watching. As you're aware, we're having quite a few activities that are actually very successful uh, on Google Core with our shopping, ex, uh, shopping activities, with our Shopping Express activities, and so on. So I think we're, we're pretty well set up to, to uh, understand where the world is heading there.
Okay, second quick question. On mobile search, um, anecdotally, it feels like more and more over the last year on Google that searches return. I have to scroll maybe one or two times on my phone to get to a result that's not either Google content or paid ads. Um, how do you think about that? I, am I imagining that? Or um, is it personally it feels like that? I'm wondering how you think about the user experience and whether that's a good screen. thing. So, every, so, so yeah, the, the mobile revolution uh, has been quite a pivotal shift for us um, because it brings quite a different um, way of how you interact with the device. And we're actually very, very carefully measuring. And whatever you do, and you know um, that we've slightly adjusted the number of ads uh, historically and done a few changes there. But in whatever we do, we're taking a very, very close look at the user experience. And we can tell exactly how it impacts organic searches, how it impacts ads, whether the user experience is still the way we want it to be. And because people have a much higher propensity uh, to scroll on the mobile device versus um, the behavior on a desktop, we're actually seeing no negative user impact at all from some of those changes. So we're definitely user first in everything we're doing in this world. Uh, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, right here and then here. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Okay, yeah, just a real quick uh, first world question. Why do you have so many messengers or messaging apps You've got like six of them, and you know, why do you keep building new ones? So we have uh, a set that is correct. Um, we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, um, we are investing. They all have a slightly different flavor. And we think it, at this moment in time, it actually makes sense to uh, have people develop uh, with all those different flavors um, because we see a consumer need um, for those different approaches. Mm -hmm. um, we have to see how it uh, then develops over time uh, and what's how successful. What's the most successful of them? None of them are WeChat, but what's the most? I don't think we break out the numbers of any of those at the moment. So I don't think you can say there's one that's dramatically more successful or not, if you think about it. Uh, some are being used more in an enterprise environment. Some are being used more in a consumer environment. Some are very early stage with a really, really deep um, assistant integration. So they actually all have a slightly different, uh, actually very interesting flavor. Yeah. Hi, hello, Rich Greenfield. Um, you know, when I look at... Uh, Spotify, they've got 40-plus million subscribers now to their $10 a month service. I think Eddie Q mentioned last night that they're well north of the $20 million that they've disclosed and at least $10 a month. Uh, shifting to video, uh, you've got Netflix nearing 100 million global subscribers. Uh, I don't know how many Amazon has, but let's just say it's somewhere over 60 million globally. YouTube, um, or Google overall, but especially thinking specifically about YouTube, YouTube Red, probably less than 2 million subscribers. Uh, I'm not expecting you to break new news in terms of a number, although an update would be great. But where exactly, like, can YouTube or can Google build a subscription business on their own, or does it need to buy one to start hanging more things off of? Like, it, it doesn't seem like subscriptions comes natural to Google as a revenue uh, or kind of as, as a business, right or wrong? He wants to know if why you didn't buy Spotify, I think. I'm not, so, so we can't, uh, this is you, Richard, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't, um, we can't comment, uh, obviously, on what we would buy or not buy or how we're thinking about uh, acquisitions. Um, but the reality is we have an incredibly loyal base there. Uh, people who are using YouTube love YouTube and have talked about the growth numbers. And literally every metric we look at is, is up and to the right. Um, and we think actually this we can. This is YouTube Red. YouTube, YouTube. Okay, YouTube, what about YouTube, YouTube Red? YouTube. Do you have a number YouTube, for we that? Don't, we can't share numbers on YouTube Red, or we don't share numbers at this moment. But if it was 60 million, you'd share it, right? 
we're, we're not sharing numbers. Okay, I mean, we're right. not sharing YouTube numbers publicly, and yeah. it's a very, very successful business. Okay. And, and people have asked us for a very long time. Um, so I don't think it depends on the, on the size. We just don't. But are you uh, good at subscriptions? Can you guys successfully build? So I think with the fan base that we have built and with the engagement level on YouTube, uh, it's definitely worthwhile uh, trying to be really, really good at it. And not buying, say, a Spotify. Again, I can't uh, comment on how we Rich, think about acquisition. Because they think the music business sucks. I think Google thinks, as most people, that it's a fixed cost thing and they'd have to spend a lot of money on video. That's the only thing I'd push back on is, is YouTube is the world's biggest music service, right? I mean, the, more yeah. people are searching for music on YouTube every day than anywhere else. It just seems so natural that YouTube should be the dominant global player in music because everyone thinks of YouTube as music and yet they don't subscribe to music on YouTube. Uh, they don't even think of YouTube Red, I think, as a music service. They think, you know, it's more of the creators that Susan's working on. It just seems hard to believe that YouTube doesn't dominate this space versus these other companies. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really appreciate that you share your insights. I mean, thank you. <laughs> You're such a nice guy. He's totally not Nikesh. Go ahead. Nikesh would be like down there throttling you right now. I feel, Very quickly. Uh, sorry, we don't. We only have time for just yeah, one more. Quick, quick, question, quick, quick. From video news. Um, just real quick, trying to pick up on what Kara, I think, was going before. Um, there's been reports you guys have signed a deal with CBS, this model of so-called skinny bundles. I know you don't want to talk about any new services or forthcoming, but can you just give us your thoughts on whether you think this concept of a skinny bundle is a viable category, something that would be uh, interesting and compelling to, to consumers? This sounds very similar to the question that you asked me before, yeah. so I would love to stick with the same answer that I've given before. We don't comment on future products or future services. Um, but do you like the skinny bundle? Well, I learned from you that it's an attractive consumer value proposition, <laughs> okay. right? But, yeah. uh, but uh, I think that's all I can say there. All right. Thank you very much, Phil. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. You can find all the podcasts from Code Media and our other conferences at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay. Or just go to Recode.net for full coverage of the Code Media Conference. If you like this sort of interviews, then good news. We do interviews just like them every week on Recode's free podcasts. I host Recode Decode and co-host Too Embarrassed to Ask with Lauren Good of The Verge. And the producer of Code Media, Peter Kafka, has new interviews with the smartest people from the media world every Thursday on Recode Media. You can find all these shows on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Or just go to Recode.net slash podcasts.